0: Hello, and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today we have a special interview recorded by Fred Schenkelberg in January 2016 at the IEEE Reliability Society's RAMS conference in Orlando, Florida. Fred's guest for this interview is to Dr. Alec f- f- Feinberg, the f- founder of DFR Soft and the principal author of the book designed for reliability. Dr. Feinberg has more than 35 years of experience in reliability engineering in the solar, power electronics, defense, microelectronics, aerospace, wireless, and automotive industries. He teaches courses in DFR, shock and vibration, HALT, ESD, DFMEA, and thermodynamic reliability, And his clients include Hewlett-Packard, Sandia National Labs, Mentor Graphics, Tycho Electronics, and Northrop Grumman. Alec has presented numerous technical papers, and he won the 2003 RAMS Best Tutorial Award for his topic, Thermodynamic Reliability Engineering. Dr. Feinberg's most recent book was published in October 2016 by John Wiley and Sons, And it's titled, Thermodynamic Degradation Science, Physics of Failure, Accelerated Testing, Fatigue, and Reliability Engineering. Let's join Fred's interview with Dr. Alec Feinberg.
1: So welcome to Dare to Know. This is Fred Schrankberg, and I have the honor to sit down with Alec Feinberg. And, he, and you are—you're one of—you've done so much in the reliability world, and and, and from the technical and theoretical side. And, yeah, thank you for that compliment. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you had a chance to sit down with me for the show. The, the, and you've contributed so much to the industry. You know, yeah. And, and, You've got papers out, you just mentioned that you have your new book. I didn't I I wanted yeah. to talk to you about it. So I, have, that. I actually have two books designed for reliability. I do remember that one. That was yeah. like five, that was more around, than two, five it years. It came
2: out around two thousand. I published that with yes, it's kinda of funny, but I don't even get any royalties from that. Oh, no. That was published through the company Maycom, and then it picked up by CRC Press.
1: Okay. And my new book I get royalties from. Okay. You know, so that's good. So I should ask this right at the start Is in as a, as a reliability professional and somebody in the audience, is it, it, what's the reward for writing a book? You mentioned royalties, so your retirement set now, you're you know, going on the book tour. and. I think it's, there's, a, there's a lot of, there's, well first of all the, re,
2: the design for reliability, <clears throat> I think it helps, happens to improve your career. Okay. So it enhances your career, people recognize you a little bit more. It's self gratifying that you've Mm -hmm. written and contributed to your field Um, and it opens up some doors. Mm -hmm. Uh, Right now it's helpful for my company design, uh, uh, DFR software, Mm -hmm. um, where I consult and I have my own software not to be confused with DFR solutions,
1: I, I don't work for them. Right, it's Df- <clears throat> it, it is called DFR software. Yeah, because, and I called
2: that because my, my original book is designed for reliability, right. so um, I helped coin that name, actually, before they even came into play, maybe, or I don't know when they came yeah, out. Yeah, there was and, a and, DFX and DFM and, for yeah, years. But, uh, so that name kind of got popular. But anyway, the, uh, so it does open some doors, and um, I think people recognize my software now, as uh, you know, it does everything from uh, Weibull MLE plotting to um, <clears throat> shock and vibration, thermal analysis, um, <clears throat> uh, reliability growth, um, uh, fatigue damage spectrum. A lot of physics of failure in
1: there. Right. Uh,
2: corrosion analysis, availability and sparing, uh, field returns. Um, uh, Has quality tools like uh, SPC control charts, uh, as well as lot sampling, which is very difficult sometimes. Yes. And has a big area in accelerated testing, and has a lot of help in the area halt. Oh, good. It has a physics of failure library, um, so you can, with a lot of DFR warnings. Things to do like that.
1: I mean, it, it's like the all-in-one yeah, it's all in one design for reliability. Well, that's
2: the idea. You sit down and you don't have to go to different places for all these tools. And it's very inexpensive. Right now, it's running for $400. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it, it runs on Excel. I, I know it runs it's, on Excel. Yeah, you need Ford, Excel. But you also need a PC version of Excel.
2: Typically, yeah. Although I run it on my Mac. You do? I do, right You now. have the emulator with Excel, yeah. though. Yeah, you need the an PC emulator yeah. to PC side. For the that. last time
1: I tried it, I, I realized I didn't have Excel on my
2: you, you emulator. You need parallel.
1: Uh, I have no, parallel. I use parallel
2: with, X, with uh, Microsoft uh, Office or right. something
1: in there that has Excel. Yeah. So I, I needed to get the uh, Office side of that. So, yeah. Uh, uh, but I've seen it used, I've seen it in, in earlier versions, I've had access to it. In, in, I know that it's, it's got all these various things, but one of the things that separates it, it's not just a plotting tool. It's not just a, a not, mathematical language right. like R right, or, yeah. or S or some of these other programming languages. Yeah. It, it goes into more, well, here's these key formulas, like you mentioned the thermal analysis piece yeah. of it. So we know that there's different ways heat can move, and it's a common question we get in reliability. Uh, do we have to put a fan on this box or not? Are we is yeah, our heat it, dissipation? There's appropriate a certain
2: or not? yeah, there's certain limits to it. It's not finite element analysis. So uh, it has a thermal section so you'll be able to assess different areas of um, and, and try to so if uh, I have
0: But a it's not, it
2: doesn't focus on that. It's got it, it has a, it that's one of the sections there it has, you know, you know, corrosion tools as well. Uh, it has a lot of mechanical Reliability. uh, Well, you have like uh,
1: Norris Landsberg, I think, is in there for thermal cycling of solder joints. Yes. Do you have a Black's equation for? Uh, Yeah, there's there's an accelerated uh, testing page. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, We have all your physics of failure, including uh, electromigration, uh, Black's equations, as well as the. Co- Coffin Manson, the modified well, the, the Norris Landsberg. Equation. I call it, a lot. of Some people call it modified uh, Coffin Manson mm-hmm. rather
1: than the Norris Landsberg equation. Give the give the originators the, the right. they had the They're key doing, piece of it, the concept, and the Norris yeah. Landsberg enhanced it. That's true.
2: And um, <clears throat> some of that, and we can move over to the book. Some of all this stuff is a lot. Is some of it's derived in my
1: book? In the DFR book? Yeah.
2: And, uh, well, no, there is some of that in the DFR book. Right. But it's also in the new book, which is Thermodynamic Degradation Science, which is okay. a physics of failure book.
1: Okay, 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 that's right. And so you got more of the, the background and the, so, is, it, is it a theory book or is it a practical book? This is,
2: uh, so I, I've been in industry for 30, for about uh, 35 years before mm-hmm. I got in my own. And um, <clears throat> so I've always been practical-minded, mm-hmm. but I always ask the question, why? Why do things happen? Why do do we get these, um, uh, why do things age? Mm -hmm. Just to begin with, why do things degrade? So somewhere along the line, I realized that uh, my background is physics, that the second law of thermodynamics was uh, explained perfectly why things age, and that the second law can be interpreted. There's a lot of ways of writing the second law. The entropy of the universe is increasing, something like that. But right. the, the useful thought of it is that things want to come to thermodynamic equilibrium. Right. So when a system is under stress, it could be a thermal stress or mechanical stress. stress. any kind of stress. Right. When a system is under stress, it wants to come to equilibrium, and that's that stress drives the uh, degradation. Okay. And when that happens, a disorder occurs. And the disorder increases,
1: accumulates. Isn't it, there's a, I'm, I want to say Gibbs free energy, but I don't remember exactly the term. Well, there are,
2: a there, there's a lot of free... In, in thermodynamics, there's the Helmholtz free energy, the Gibbs free energy. But in general, um, free energy is like uh, potential energy. So when a ball is raised up to a certain height, it has potential energy. When right. you drop it, it gets converted to kinetic energy. Right, right. So in thermodynamics, free energy is like when you dis- when you come, and you- in terms of uh, thermodynamic degradation, in, the- in this branch of thermodynamics that this book is about, when we talk about systems degrading, when you build a system, it- you- thermo- the free energy is the useful energy, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. the work that the product can do right. in its lifetime. So the the free energy is the useful work that a product can do, basically, that's what it is.
1: And then the
2: disordering part. And as it gets more and more disordered, the free energy decreases, and the entropy increases. So disorder is, uh, entropy is another word for disorder. Right, that's what I was looking for, was that word. So as the disorder increases, the free energy decreases. So it's sort of like your potential energy when you drop the ball, it's getting converted to kinetic energy. So when you uh, perform work with a product,
1: like a d- right, these it has a certain, a certain amount day. of
2: useful work it can do. So some of the work goes into, you know, the work that you want performed, and some of the work goes into degradation. Okay. So the system
1: is degrading, and that's where the second law comes in because yeah, it's increasing entropy, right. And so
2: where the entropy is increasing, and uh, as well as another form of the second law is that things degrade, they want to come to equilibrium and causes the entropy to, to go towards a maximum. Mm-hmm. When, it's axi- when the entropy is a maximum and you have the, a most, the most amount of disorder, you have fully degraded your system and you can get no more useful work out of it. Okay. Your free mm-hmm. energy is a minimum and your entropy is at a maximum.
1: So what does all this mean for usefulness? That's right. I'm. I'm. We're, you're. You're pulling me back to my physics class in undergrad, which is so a, little, a, little, a so while. A while. So there's now.
2: a. There's two branches in the in in the branch of thermodynamic degradation science. There's two areas: there's equilibrium and non-equilibrium thermodynamics. And equilibrium thermodynamics, I think people think of that as, you know, uh, the, the those are the hard maybe more of the hardcore thermodynamics, but it does explain the aging and stuff like that. The, so that's basically, uh, in, in equilibrium thermodynamics, it's all about the endpoints. So it's, we're here, what is the equilibrium
1: situation, what is the state of the system? Well, I'm thinking of an example of, a, if I've got a new IC, and we power it up and it's operating, and we know it's generating so many watts, so the state Right, we
2: would describe that state of the system, you know, as a new product, uh, and, uh, it, it's, uh, and, we and, and we can describe it through its parameters, the power
1: that it, it's, it's providing. That's the state of the system. We also spend a lot of time looking at material properties and heat, thermal con- conductivity and conduction in order to, to keep the chip underneath a, a threshold for temperature so it can continue to perform. Right. So we do a lot of materials, properties, and so on, but that's all in a stable state. Yes, but there's also I think you're getting to is that there's also the transition pieces. So it it depends on how the
2: thing is degrading. So you would use uh, the physics of failure laws uh, would come into play, Mm -hmm. and basically uh, in in the section of the non-equilibrium thermodynamics. So what is that about? We talked about the free energy and the amount of useful work you can get out of it. Right. So. Basically what you want to do to come up with the physics of failure law is work equals uh, force times distance mm-hmm. So you take those generalized you can make those into generalized coordinates. So force is uh, like stress Distance is like strain, right? So stress strain So in you would look for the physics of failure law if if something like a paperclip was bending you would look at the cyclic stress strain Mm -hmm. uh, curves like that. Uh, For a transistor, you want to know the thermodynamic work that would be degrading, so you would need a law of how it's degrading for uh, the stress and the strain. So its generalized coordinates could be related to
1: uh, current or power. Now, would you do it on a transistor as a system, or do you get into the, the, the gate properties and breaking up lattice structures within the gate, or is it Yeah, it would be
2: it would be related to the specific failure mode and how that failure mode was degrading. Okay. So, as you know, there's a number of ways that a transistor can fail. Uh, typically, uh, gate leakage is one. Right. Uh, so uh, it could be related to the uh, the the um, the gate sinking. Uh, is one particular kinds of failure mode. It could be related to uh, the the base current leakage. Mm-hmm. So there is a model in in therm- in the in the book thermal and degradation science. There's a couple of models for both bipolar uh, transistors and, and and field effect type transistors uh, that talks about the transconductance and how it degrades
1: okay.
2: and or bi- uh, bipolar transistors how beta degradation. So there's there are those physics of failure okay. kind of equations that are there and <clears throat> they're important, you know, because you need models to be yeah. able to to describe this and a lot of people think of degradation uh, you know something that happens suddenly.
1: No, oh, no, it's a slow wear out right. essentially.
2: So a lot, most people that are in, in the business of transistors are put, uh, their failure, uh, what you need to do is come up with a parametric failure um, critical value so like say 20% power loss.
1: then
2: it right call then it, it a, fails right,
1: right. rather it
2: rather than something breaking right so typically when a transistor degrades the beta has degraded by 20% and you're not getting the gain anymore so uh, that would be your uh, critical uh, that would be called with parametric threshold so, of failure.
1: Somebody so a failure so you design. would need an
2: aging, aging law right and it's very powerful if you have an aging law think of it this way. Um, uh, when we do reliability testing, we need, um, if, if you have to test a failure, you have to test maybe, you know, uh, depending upon chi-squared, whatever you're doing, you could maybe do 50 to 100 devices. Right. If you have an aging law, all you need to do is characterize, uh, if it's, say, it's Gaussian. Right. Okay, think of it this way. You have a bell-shaped curve. Say it's the power that's or the beta that's degrading. You, before you, st- you start your test, okay? You got know where they are. Right. Right. You can take all your transistors, and maybe you have 100 transistors. You're not gonna put them on test. I'm not saying you have to put 100 on. But you take 100 transistors and you measure your beta. You have a mean and your sigma for your beta say they're normally distributed. Right, right, right. Now, you take three or four transistors. On the tail? And, no, anywhere. And you and you age them. But you know the standard deviation, right? No, you, you, and you age them, right, right? And you get their aging law. So the beta has an aging law. Okay, so that's your physics of failure aging law. Right, right. So and you know your threshold. So basically, your your Gaussian is moving, it's degrading. Right, the, the, beta is, is, uh, the beta is drifting uh, maybe to the left, it's degrading, it's going, getting lower, Your gain. Lower power, lower and it's, gain. It's, in some of your, you have your mean and your sigma. you know how much of that is crossing your failure point. And now once you have your aging law, with three or four devices, you can predict what those hundred devices will have, what it will happen to those hundred devices. So what you've done is with three or four devices, you've established your aging law, and you have the ability to predict your failure rate. Against your whole distribution. Right. Right. Your whole distribution. And you
1: didn't have to put 100 devices on test. Right. Now, I'm going to challenge that and say, uh, you're making the assumption that the standard deviation stays constant as it ages. Sometimes that standard, that that aging process will change your variance term. Right.
2: Yeah. And that's a good point. In my software, I do have a model for the standard deviation to age, and you can choose to use
1: it. Okay. So the first thing yeah. you do, you might have to run it and, in, and enough I, to get an right, estimate, right. and then you could use it. Yeah, and no, and I think no, that's a we,
2: that's a weakness in, in some of the in, say Weibull analysis oh, yeah. or yeah. things like that. Like we always assume beta is the same. Right. You mm-hmm. know, good yeah.
1: beta can age too. But. You know, uh, well, it gets into nonlinear uh, modeling, yeah. then, and that's much more difficult. Well, now, aging when, is nonlinear. A lot of well, it is. It's when you make that assumption that the characteristic that we're only modeling the characteristic life. Yeah. We can create a, a linear model for that. As soon as you start age, you know, the shift in the mean, yeah. We can we can use linear models for that. It might not be a straight line, but it's a linear model. Right. And that, wait, what I'm saying is that when we start modeling it as a surface we have two, three, four parameters, and they're all doing their own variations, then it gets real complicated. Right? Yeah. Now, now, who would use this kind of model? Because would well, I use uh, it in a, in a production facility? Is it oh, fine-optimized absolutely. Model or I used design to, mark, For or?
2: example, when we talked about crystal, when we talked about, rather, transitions aging, uh, if you, if let's say that the model, your physics of failure model, shows that your key parameter is aging in log time. Okay. And you know that if you freeze time, it's normally distributed. Okay. So if they're aging in log time and it's normally distributed, what you end up with is a log normal parametric failure rate. Mm-hmm. That's how you get that. That's the physics behind it. Right. That's why you have log normal failure rates. Right. OK, it doesn't mean you can't use a Weibull model. But it just means that the physics is supporting the log-normal notion. And that's
1: how you should pick the distribution yeah. you use, is if you have the well, underlying connection. yeah, I mean, it's, it's
2: nice to have it, but it doesn't mean that the Weibull can't do a good job on it. Right. You know, and you get that. That's right. So uh, so that, from that point of view, um, the people that would use that are people that are, you know, concerned about shipping this, this bipolar transistor or people that would use physics of failure are Worried about their crystals aging and the frequency drift, well, uh, I'm, or, I'm thinking, or if we can talk about non-electronics, you, you have to worry about fatigue. Right. So in the book, I talk about
1: cumulative aging. Right, right. And and you had a an acronym and I hadn't heard before, CAST. C-A-S-S-S-T. So there's a um, cumulative accelerated stress testing equations. Okay. So that's so, different than this what yeah. we've been talking about. I'm going to stay with. I'll come back to CAST. Okay. Is I mean, in the design part, it's, it's understanding if I can design in enough durability and I can use this physics of failure type modeling and some test verification, I can build a robust product for the applications, I think. but I see in a real natural application is that a customer comes back and says, oh, we want to use it here. I don't have to run the test again. I can go back to the model and say, all right, I'm changing the stress. Right. As long as I don't violate any uh, assumptions under the initial model, I can get a rough estimate of what their failure rate is going to be. And it's tailored to their stress conditions.
2: Exactly. Right? So and that's, that's the beauty of
1: the, the model. Right.
2: So it, there's a lot of good things about it. You can also do your logistics with it. Once you understand your failure rate, and you, you know once you have an uh, whenever you do logistics, you need an MTBF.
1: Well, I'm, no. Things like that. Well, that's another historic Yeah, question. I'm going have to get, get you one of my okay. coffee mugs on the no MTBF okay yeah or, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'm you, just I saying. i talk to you there off camera okay. about that. Um, but let's go to, to uh, cumulative accelerated stress testing. So okay, so
2: basically, um, typically, most physics of failure equations, you can come up with what's called a CAST equation. And it doesn't matter whether it's a thir- whether it's a Arrhenius equation, uh, all these—I'm uh, um, th- just going to say the ones that people are familiar with: right. Arrhenius yeah. equation, Coffin-Manson equation, Norris-Landsberg equation, um, <clears throat> uh, um, the, vib- the vibration—you uh, uh, know, uh, accelerated some... testing equation. Right. All of them, you can come up with what's called an environmental rather cumulative accelerated stress test equation
1: now Now, why is is that
2: important this is different though than miner's rule right it's it's right basically no matter what stress you're talking about miner's rule is more in the area of cumulative fatigue
1: from from different stress loads right stress loads but and i can and there's a mechanism then to accumulate those this is off of the original right but we know from thermodynamic degradation
2: science that everything accumulates, uh, stress accumulates, degradation degradation accumulates all the time. Mm-hmm. So that uh, miners, miner's type of rule applies to transistors aging, it can apply to um, um, a equation. So what does that help us do, knowing that? Mm-hmm. Well, let's say you have, in the cast equations that are in my book, they will help you profile, environmentally profile, your product for testing. So let's say that, let's say it's the Uranius equation. Okay. Uh, that's a, you know, temperature accelerated testing. You want to do a temperature accelerated right. test. But in the field, your product is uh, at 50 degrees uh, 20% of the time, 30% of the time is at 70 degrees, and um, another 20% of the time it's at 80% of the, the Right. What t- what you when you do an accelerated test you have to plan from to
1: so we'll I might test like it at 100
2: the, uh, I want to test it at 120 degrees but what is my use condition
1: right and we might use the the worst case you know right. scenario but it's only a small fraction right
2: if you so the best way to do that is with the cast equation the cast equation will help you to environmentally profile the use condition so it may be that you can come up with one t- it, it will be that you can come up with one temperature for 10 years. That's an equivalency for that. So all that profile, that 70, 80, 30 uh, degrees, whatever it was, might end up being sixty-five degrees for ten years. But equivalence.
1: It, it, but it, is it like a weighted average then of the? No, it's not a weighted average. It's a it's
2: it's a cumulative accelerated stress equation. It mm-hmm. actually accumulates the stress. So it's it's exactly what it is. It's it it it's, uh, it, it actually so thinking, accumulates the stress. Right. So into one and you can. Uh, but you need you need a physics of failure aging law that you feel comfortable with. Well,
1: so you, in is, this
2: case, you would use the Arrhenius equation right, right. to transform uh, one environment to another.
1: Right, right. I, I understand that part. And we use it in uh, step-stress testing. Exactly.
2: Say, it's exactly like step-stress testing, okay. where you're saying... But it's, all it's got all a the step str- acronym. Yes, <laughs> all the step-stresses go to one cumulative
1: stress you can come up with one cumulative stress that represents all those step stresses and so, instead is So the way I've approached that in the past is that I I would do one transform from my test conditions to The 10% of the population that's at the highest temperature Another transform for the group that's at the 50% of the population and so on and 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 then combine those results at that point We can skip that step and and use these cast equations to go at it much more directly. That's another way to think of it. We could do it in a,
2: a, people like to do step stress testing. So to say there's an equivalent, they they may prefer that or they may want to do the step stressing. It's not precluding that. There's some advantages to step stressing. You can see the knee of the curve when Mm -hmm. all those things start to bend and stuff like that. But this advantage is to environmentally profile that's another helpful thing to do. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. you can do it for anything. You can do it for fatigue. You can do it for, uh, you know, as long as you are comfortable with the physics of failure aging law, you can come up with a cast equation for that.
1: Right. It doesn't have
2: to be Arrhenius. It can be temperature, humidity, Peck model. For example, that's
1: mm-hmm, a very mm-hmm. common model. Well, some of those models, like Peck's equation and uh, Black's equation, and a handful of others, are empirically driven. They're just noticing that, fitting a line to a bunch of empirical data. Yeah, you know, I, it's not technically, in my mind, it's not technically a physics of failure so model, the, but it per, still applies. The one that I have the most familiarity with is Norse Landsberg. Okay, okay. that's so an empirical. I, I, data. I it's an empirical.
2: I went through that. I went through the physics of failure model for that. So. What I could come up with is I can come up with the arrhenius part of that and I can come up with the, the fatigue, temperature the cycling cycle part. part of it, but I can't come up with that frequency effect. Right. Okay, so I'm not saying it's not real, they, they have an experiment and they did it, but the physics uh, of failure, you would, you would need to add that to the physics of failure model, mm-hmm. right. okay? Now I have, I, have driven, I have derived minus rule two different ways, using thermodynamic work. And uh, using uh, entropy, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, disorder concept. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those equations are solid. Right. You yeah. know, minus rule is equation. And when you derive them, you can actually see where the weaknesses is, is why minus rule is an approximation. right. right like when you're bending the paper clip, for example, it's to getting easier to bend, it. for the same amount of distance. It's getting easier to That's bend right. all of a sudden. That's right. So you get Especially some non-linearity. Get some going on. It. Right. So <laughs> you can see that, there, you know, but there is, a, you know, you can substitute the exact equation rather than using Miner's Rule, if you, you know, which is the work. Right, so right. cumulative fatigue is basically the, if you want to do the exact equation, it's the thermodynamic work. Divided by the thermodynamic work to failure. Okay. Okay. So that's what that is. Ratio sure
1: there. All right. I mean, obviously, we could talk all day about this yeah. stuff. And, I don't and, want to and take and up all it. your time. Well, well but for the audience, if you if you want to get more of this information. You, the first book was DFR, Design for Reliability. Design for Reliability, and that was about 2000, 2001, around, Yeah, something around there. Like yeah. like that. Uh, don't buy that one. It doesn't kick. Just call Alec directly. <laughs> <laughs> Get him on your consultancy, and and uh, A thermodynamic degradation science. Thermal di- so I'll link that into the show notes. Yeah, Is that no, available up like on it's Amazon? On, it's on Amazon, published by Wiley. Okay. Um,
2: and it's, uh, it's got a lot of subtitles, physics of failures in the subtitle. Well, they, uh, I kind uh, of fought, fought with them about the title. They wanted me to make it a more popular physics of failure title. But
1: the, well, the you would have been on Oprah if you got that real yeah, good <laughs> title on it instead the, of just my little show. Yeah, so, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll link to that. And uh, I know you've got a website and, and some of the software is so, you know, available. The software
2: is available on uh, Soft. Dfrsoft.com is a
1: 30-day free trial. Right, and it's well worth checking out. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, thank you very much for the opportunity to talk to your audience and your Fred. No, no problem. Enjoy being I, I, with you. Yeah. No, I, I certainly appreciate it, and I appreciate it's it's bringing keeping the science of what we do more alive, and then the tools you've built have been make it makes it so accessible. Where I'm seeing other software packages that. Aren't giving us what we need, they're giving us what they can sell. And we really need the science and physics behind it to to really be effective at what we do. So thank you for doing that. Okay, thanks a lot. Okay, we'll talk to you later.